0: Welcome to Tigerpaw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tigerpaw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. And now, here are our hosts, James Foxall and Wes McDonald. So welcome to another episode of Tiger Paw Radio. My name is Wes McDonald. I'm one of your hosts. I'm the VP of Business Development at Tiger Paw Software. And one of the things we always like to do in these episodes is share with you one interesting fact about ourselves that you may not know. Uh, one interesting fact about me, uh, when I got married to uh, Leslie Stratford, we actually had a princess bride theme wedding. Uh, so I was dressed up as the Dread Pirate Roberts, and she was dressed up as the ever-wonderful Buttercup. And uh, Norm, I know you've got another little... Interesting fact about that wedding.
1: Sure. I was going to say my interesting fact is that I happen to know that West's best man at his wedding was dressed up as Boba Fett. <laughs> which makes him the biggest geek that I know. Absolutely. Yeah, the MPS Wolverine, the biggest
0: geek in the space. And our other host on the call today is James Foxall. And James, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm James Foxall, President and CEO of Tiger Paw. We've been around since 84. I'm actually second generation, been running the company for about a decade. Um, Love helping entrepreneurs and small businesses grow, and I'm glad to be here.
0: And now to introduce our two guests, and maybe Norm McConkey, I'll start with you.
1: Sure, Norm McConkey. I'm the owner of MPS Toolbox. We are a maker of business-to-business e-commerce software. I've been in the industry for going on 30 years now, developing software from, and, and also as well, being a general manager of a remanufacturer, a software developer at Printfleet, and uh, I just can't get toner out of my blood, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that makes a few of us on the call. And uh, Greg Walters, could you please introduce yourself?
3: Well, yes, yeah, so Greg Walters. I am um, with Greg Walters Inc., we're uh, a rather small consultancy, We've been dealing with um, customers and, and providers of both managed print services and managed IT services since around 2011 recently just released a, a product that we're real proud of um uh, arc it, it it helps dealers with converge sales and we might get into it later but uh i've been in the copier industry since 99 Been in technology since well 88 which is a long time um i think one of the, the unique things that people may not know about me is that i was born in pearl harbor right huh. and i did not yeah. know that
0: all these years we've worked together and that is something even i didn't know <laughs> Oh, wow. oh! There you have it. Yeah, and so Greg and Norm, we're really glad to have you on today's episode. Essentially, what we'll be talking about today is the innovation desert in the managed print services space. Is that a is that a reality? Is it, you know, is it happening? Right? Uh, Greg, maybe you know you can first share with me. Do you think there is an innovation, uh, you know, desert going on right now? And maybe you know, just share your thoughts in a couple of areas that are, I think are suffering for it.
3: Well, um, yes yes i do i think we've had an innovation throughout since since mps hit the hit the market and even then even before then maybe what is innovation another a3 Uh, a a machine that that takes the toner off of paper and feeds the paper back in is is that innovative is putting a data center in the (laughs) 11 by 17 paper tray is that innovation i don't know i mean i don't there's, there's not much more you can do to innovate putting marks on paper and and moving information around and from the OEMs. I mean, that that's the business they're in, so they're going to slug it out in that arena and see who's the last guy standing, in my opinion. Uh, I don't see any any new innovation, but yeah, I don't know if that's the fault of the OEMs as
0: much as it is of the industry,
3: you know, the niche and the general business environment. So you uh, think it uh, might so.
0: actually be, um, you know, a problem with, you know, the actual space itself versus any particular actor. It's interesting. You, yeah. you mentioned, you know, one of the things about the reusable paper, who, who was it that tried to come up with that where you could actually print on paper, take that it out Toshiba. Yeah. I remember when that came out and I'm with you though. I, I, you know, I, I do remember seeing some uh, things when HP was putting NFC uh, for authentication in their devices, but these seem to be very mm-hmm. small, nominal, you know, kind of feature sets. Right. So, so Norm, what about right. you? Do you think that we're, you know, that there's an innovation desert and, you know, do you have any examples of things that you've seen where we could be hurting
1: ourselves? Sure. I'm, I'm glad to take a, an opposing view on this because I think there actually has been innovation. though so I divide up MPS and I was speaking to some of uh, my coworkers here about whether or not they thought what they thought of the topic. If you consider one of the things that hasn't been innovated at all when it comes to MPS is the actual sales model so the way people go to market the way they bring new accounts on board i found that has not changed and maybe that is one of greg's points over the last 20 years but when you look at the actual technology in it and what is print and how has it been affected by technology certainly a tremendous amount of of innovation that's happened and and i and i would probably also say you, you could make an argument to say there's been no innovation in cars since let's say 1929, if your definition is that it's a thing with four wheels, uh, a steering wheel and and some seats, uh, you know, when it comes to office printing, there's been a lot of technology changing what you get pound per pound, the price, the functionality of some of these devices, you know, ink versus laser, a four versus a three multifunction. I think the, 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 the big issue that I see is that people are not, innovating based on the technology having changed, and certainly the technologies, other technologies have stopped us or reduced our printing significantly, but people aren't changing the way they're selling based on the new products that are out in the marketplace today.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, Norman, you know, when I think about it, when I first came into the managed print space, it was actually to work for you, and at that time, I had no idea uh, that printers even had IP addresses, and when I saw the amount of information that was coming out of it, uh, what you could actually gather from those devices i was I was quite shocked I mean when you think of the meters and the and the toner levels and other things, and in other parts of my career, actually going further even with understanding what users were doing with those you know with those devices, uh, were they printing you know mission critical documents were they printing things didn 't need to, were they printing email and you know color versus black and white? And I think personally, I found at least for uh, for that part of the space that there was little interest from the dealer community uh, for actually using, you know, the level of uh, innovation that was actually available to them. So, you know, could that be part of the problem that it's really from a business model perspective, you said from a sales perspective, I would take that a little higher from a business model perspective that they're still basing their business plans on, you know, selling just the hardware and maybe some toner.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that it's it, it, obviously it starts at the top. It's that overall business model and, and, and even the, the notion today to, to continue on with the car analogy. If you looked at, uh, you know, a car dealership today, we've continued on this notion of products, printers and print devices should kind of stay in the field forever. They should be repaired forever. If you were selling cars, are you a you know car dealership? or are you a service organization? Are you a garage mechanic? And I think that's one of the things that the innovations that have happened in the industry really make most of these devices incredibly reliable and and I would say irreparable. Meaning if, if the device is out there, if you've paid $1,000 for it and it's lasted three or four years, there is absolutely no point in repairing that versus getting a new one yet our strategy and our business models are all continuously repairing devices, and I think that's you know that, that's where somebody needs to say, look, what, what what am I actually? What's the service that I'm providing somebody? Because that may have been an issue in 1995 when the device was $15,000, and you know there was a notion that you did field service. I think that's something that that companies are clinging to way too hard or too strongly uh, versus what they should be looking at today.
0: Yeah, I find it very interesting, especially now that I'm working in a world uh, that does a lot more than you know, just print pages, right? And James, maybe you can speak to a little bit because I think in the managed services and the managed IT world, that uh, innovation is kind of a daily accepted part of life. Am I correct on that? Is it, is it quite a different paradigm?
2: That is absolutely a difference that we've seen in the spaces, yeah, in the managed services space, the amount of innovation and in how they market, how they sell, the products, the, the way they package them, and, and, you know, there's managed service itself. It's constantly evolving, right, and it's one of the things, honestly, that I, I do think there, there's a lack of innovation in this space compared to what we see in the managed services space, for sure, and it's one of the things that attracted us here. Um, You know, we didn't just materialize out of a vacuum, right? We spent the last couple of years preparing to be here and building integrations. And our interest was really driven by some of the more progressive office equipment dealers that were looking at managed services and looking at converged businesses because of that, right? Recognizing that there's only so much growth that you can create and only only so much money you can make off your existing client base if you stay doing things the old way. So I think there's lots of innovation available. I don't know how much of it you're going to see materially change necessarily the managed print component, but I think there's a huge amount of innovation that can be brought into a managed print uh, office equipment dealer to dramatically change that business model and the revenue.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, and you know, it kind of, it's a good segue actually into our you know next question is that when we start to look at areas of innovation, um, Greg, I think you said it quite succinctly. It's like you know, how much more can you innovate? And and Norm, yes, there are there are definitely technological innovations that have happened in you know printers and continue to happen in them uh, everything from ink based technologies um you know since the early days of uh what was that failure the edgeline series but like all you know great <laughs> things uh, although that device itself was a failure um ink has definitely moved you know a long way and to james's point if we are looking at innovation as an off equipment dealer you know you're looking at an organization that does anywhere from five million to, well, James, like a couple we talked to the other day that were doing upwards of, you know, 200 to $400 million a year. 400, yeah. Right, and I found that interview very interesting because they both said that, uh, you know, innovation of your business model is not uh, an option, it's imperative, and they were speaking about managed services in particular, Um, and we actually have uh, one of our dealers who we were just speaking to the other day, on another podcast who said that he's had the best year he's ever had and all of that growth was happening you know on his managed services side of his business right so so yeah, let's get he, dig said, into he that. said the
2: managed print side was stable um, right. you know it wasn't going it wasn't disappearing but the growth was coming from the managed services component
0: and maybe greg will get you to to pitch it in on this one i know that mm-hmm. you know you did work with a company uh, that was doing both managed services uh, and managed print for a while and that mm-hmm. you're a your tagline right now in LinkedIn is actually, you know, manage everything, right? So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Is is that where dealers need to look? Do they need to start looking at other things to manage and add to their business model? Is that what needs to be innovated? The business model itself? Well, you know what? Yeah, I, I think so. And
3: it does go back to what Norm was saying, we're actually what we're talking about right now. The innovation for our channel, for our for our small little niche, is in the business models. So innovating into a different business model which means you know everything from away from being hardware centric and, and service quote service when I mean wrench twisting and that kind of uh, fixing the machine centric type of model has got to be you've got to shift away from that and into a, it's kind of obviously more of a managed services managed m- meaning you know we're gonna manage your uh, your, your your devices your connected devices and I think what we'll see maybe in the next decade or so is as everything becomes connected and that, that's the 5G thing, that's the, the fog computing, all this Internet of everything, that's where the opportunities will lie. Now, that, that's, a, that's a saying a heck of a lot. From what I, I mean, when we were talking management services years ago, we were even saying the same things. We needed to change the business model. And we, you know, uh, many in the industry at first did not want to do management. So they saw it as an adversarial relationship. It was going to decrease my clicks out in the field to get rid of the machines or reduce the number of machines. Um, and there were those who wanted to fight that. It, and it wasn't, and the MPS really didn't do that. Our customers did it. So when we look at changing and innovation, I think, um, we used to innovate from the inside out innovate meaning we're going to connect our machines and people will like it i don't think the industry is set up from the oem standpoint to innovate from the customer standpoint from the customer up but i do believe that the dealerships that are remaining the small nimble ones the ones that haven't been you know gobbled up and now in that 400 500 whatever 400 million dollar range um, those guys can respond quicker and look for other areas like, you know, managing energy, managing electrical power, uh, escalators, elevators, things like that. Um, we've got that, that mentality in the industry of putting machines out there, monitoring them, and servicing them, it, it, the, the very basic uh, components of what, what we do. If we can just turn that lens into different areas and it, as everything becomes connected, the tools will be there. We just got to change our mentality. And, you know, I have, we're absolutely right, Norman, about the model. The business model has got to change. And and you just said it, what the, uh, the gentleman who improved in managed services changed their business model. And that goes all the way down to the sales trenches. We're, we're going to see a, hum- or we could see a humongous shift in how we in general bring products and services to market. I know Norm, that's a big, big area that you're playing in. Um, you know, as, as things go online and become more, quote, commoditized, the expertise needed in the field is actually going to increase. So there's, there's all sorts of opportunities there.
1: Greg, um, uh, if, if I could sort of add to that, you know, and I was thinking about, well, yes, what is the difference between, let's say, a typical managed service provider and a managed print provider? Uh, often when you talk to managed service providers or folks in the IT space, they talk about their stack, they talk about their technology and the various different things that they do. And in the, the print side, their stack continues to be just layering things onto print. They don't tend to go out of it. And, and an example and how that manifests itself, I think, is, is imagine today in, in a print customer, they really overvalue new customers and leads as opposed to existing customers. I would say that in, in the print world, mm-hmm. imagine a, a print salesperson that came back and told the sales manager, I went and pitched print, and they weren't interested. So let's take them off the board. Whereas the managed service provider sales manager would be saying, "What? What are you talking about? We have fifty different things to sell a customer. How could you get? Right. How could you end up not having some progression with that account?" And so I think that the IT people, I don't, I'm not going to say, and, and maybe this this isn't correct. I don't know that they're that much more innovative. They're in a space where new technologies get added in that are more interesting to their customer base. But I really do think that they focus on existing customers, whereas one of the faults of our industry, and I've really long been an advocate of this, is that we we need to spend more time understanding our customers and what else we can sell them, as opposed to just managed print. We have customers that that try to sell that, try to go for cost per copy. If it doesn't work, then they're, they got nothing else for them, and that seems crazy if you're making all that sales effort to only have one arrow quiver.
0: And I know James, you know you've got some experience here. We've actually shared some stories um, about how you know you know your business has been around for 30 years. It certainly doesn't look like it did 30 years ago, and that uh, some of your uh, early customers that were providing, providing VoIP are no longer just providing VoIP right that they do have you know a stack of services that they're going to market with
2: well, that's something that is excited us about the space in general is the parallel between the office equipment dealers and the guys that were selling phone systems say in the late 90s early 2000s it's it's mind-boggling you know really great successful businesses big customer bases real sales teams I and mean, that's something that I think is underestimated in this industry in the office equipment dealers I mean you could, these people have really fantastic sales teams which is an area that is actually very weak for most managed service providers and there's a depth of the customer base a lot of the owners at the point of retirement you know they don't like hearing their businesses aren't valued what they thought they would be valued you know maybe they thought they were going to have a, a child take over the business and the child's not interested or not capable and then trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do with it and so the ones that we still see today that are surviving not only surviving but thriving are the ones that made that switch over so that adopting that new in, that new innovation from another space and bringing that over has been an incredible boon to them and not only does that increase the products you know let's not underestimate what that does for that product stack just not on new, but, you know, how much business can you go get from your existing client base? When, you know, West, you're a big proponent for per seat billing, right? And I think the math works out to $24, $27 a seat if you really do it, right? Well, the typical managed service provider is getting $150 to $175 per seat. So imagine taking your existing client base and multiplying that existing revenue by six, huge opportunity. Yeah, that's one of the things right.
0: that has always perplexed me is that, you know, when you actually look at the math, <laughs> And certainly in the office equipment space, uh, you know, we like to look at the numbers that the numbers on the managed services side per user are astounding compared to what we're just getting for the, you know, for the print piece and it's growing. Right. So one of the things I think about, if you look at the the common cell phone, right? So I just had to uh, get a new cell phone for my daughter's 13. That was the promise when she turned 13 mm-hmm. she had a Cell phone and. You know, that cell phone, although we still call it a cell phone, it's, it's much more than that. It's a micro computer with a camera in it. Uh, the cameras are becoming astounding, right, with some of the Leica lenses and you know, other technologies that they're using. But it's also a calendar. It's also an organizer. It's also a whole bunch of things. And when I think about that, if you look at uh, in the early days um, when BlackBerry was sort of dominant in the space, they were convinced that their uh, security and their physical keyboard were strong enough value propositions to keep them in the game. And I wonder if we're mm. suffering that that same kind of thing because obviously that really opened the door for you know, both Apple and for Google to come in with you know, new, uh, more diversified uh, kind of you know, cell phones, if you will. Is that what we're suffering right now is that we're just so confident because of the slow burn, the slow decline in pages um, is there a reckoning coming, you know, and is it coming from somewhere else? Norm, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I, I always like to point that that Amazon didn't have to get 100% of the book sales to, to topple the the, the the traditional giants of borders, uh, etc. And, and Amazon isn't going to be a trillion dollar company just by selling books. So they've diversified, they've changed their stack, uh, they've increased that. I think there is a... There, there's a, a heritage issue perhaps in our channel too. I used to point out a company that that has been in in some facet of the printing space since the early 1900s, which you could do if you were selling typesets, that sort of thing. And, and, and they were still, when I spoke to them a few years ago, all they did was printing. And, you know, the, there's one argument that you'd pat somebody on the back and say, wow, that's focus. And then another way you'd say, You mean you didn't see any of these technology changes on the horizon and decide to jump on board? Like, you know, when computers came out or when telephony came out, when mobile phones came out, you didn't have any attention to those. you just still stuck to printing. So there's a heritage almost in some cases in the industry, that's a danger that says we're focused on this, but at a certain moment, you need to recognize that, no, we need to to change a, a little bit of our focus. And add on, you know, products and 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 stacks. And, and just one other thing, James, you, you know, you'd mentioned that there's a tremendous sales, uh, you know, acumen in the industry, and they have tremendous sales. I always want to, you know, to to challenge that a little bit, and say, well, you know, maybe I do find that that by and large, many of the traditional copier dealers have a sales team that is maybe a little bit too old, uh, frankly, to Mm, to to different technology. They may have been great sales teams in the 90s or the 80s, but today when they go in and they talk to their opposite numbers on IT and they try to move into a different stack, let's say, uh, do you want to buy from mom or dad? Uh, The answer is probably, I know that sounds harsh, but it's not. People like to buy from people when they sit across that understand those technologies. Even by simply the fact of going out and communicating with people in front of them and giving them a piece of paper to sign, you're really signaling to that customer that that you really haven't got what new technology is, in my opinion. So that I think mod- those are fair
2: points.
0: The Salesforce, I don't think is sophisticated. I think it's large, right? So just the. <laughs> the sheer momentum uh, because at the end of the day, I mean, I was doing managed print services uh, training and selling uh, with assessments and Greg, you've done them as well. And the, the biggest barrier that I had was getting past, you know, the fact that the reps were still paid either on GP on the hardware um, or some other scheme, but you know, generally it was all based on moving iron, right? So the, the solution was always, you know, move some more iron because that's how they were, they were compensated. And certainly I don't, I don't think the OEM space has traditionally helped with that because of the quota structure that they also have for those dealers. So, we're talking about, you know, yes, you need to, you know, to change and adapt your business model. I think where a lot of the hesitance, at least on the managed prints uh, side, happens is because, to Norm's point, that legacy uh, that's there, that heritage is kind of handcuffing people, right?
3: Right. You know what? It, you, you hit the, it, it's in the DNA. It's a 30 day transactional sale. And doesn't matter what it is. In the copier industry, in the print industry, that's what it is. If it's MPS is going to take longer than 30 days, they're going to, you know, pound it into a 30-day cycle because that came from the OEMs back in the day when, you know, manufacturing, MRP schedules and everything, you know, depended on how many units were going to be moved out per month, which rolled all the way down to the salesperson from, from, from the manufacturers. So that's in our DNA, and that, that's a little bit different than the managed services guys, right? They, they look at a stack. They look at real solutions. We, we were calling what uh, our automatically recirculating, recirculating document feeder was a solution. Right? That was our solution back then. And, and we, yeah, we still hang on to that. So it's a huge shift, but it's going to happen one way or another. And we're seeing it, right? I mean, there are dealers, you call it consolidation. They're dropping off crazy all over the place. It's getting smaller and smaller. So you've got to change, but it's you know, to Norm's point, it's in our DNA. It's been there. You know, I don't know who said it, but uh, somebody said it a while back, your greatest strength, today's greatest strength will one day be your greatest weakness. When we say we have powerful sales force and we know how to move equipment when we do that now is becoming our biggest, our biggest anchor around our neck is, is the ability to move equipment. Now when no one wants as much as we used to have, but anyway, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. I don't want to, I can see innovation coming in, in, in the way that we do business. Once we start seeing the way we change how we sell and when we, you know, you mentioned assessments. Well, yeah, that's great, but no one really got paid for doing assessments. You got paid for moving machines out the door. And if assessments would, would you know, could move two or three, that's great, but can you get the assessment and the deal in the next 30 days? That, that pressure has always been there. But assessments were consulted. And that's really what customers are looking for. I mean, your, your, your sustainable business is to become almost a partner with your clients, even if they're SMBs, right? It, it's, it's, that's the relationship that has to be nurtured and it's hard to nurture 30 day cycles. You don't nurture them. You, you pretty much beat them and, 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 you know, harvest them.
1: If if I just sort of add to that, uh, I, I know there's, there's almost a danger when you explain some of the things that you see are going wrong to immediately say, well, Norm, why the heck are you in this industry if you're so down on it? Um, I'm not, because one yeah. of the things, that there, there's a couple of huge strengths that I see that, that I think that, these, that the typical print dealer has, certainly over their competition, certainly over, let's say, the IT folks. And it's not, it, it goes beyond uh, product knowledge. The first thing I would say that they're way better at in spades is understanding financing of technology assets. If you can finance a printer and those are always financed yet, if you look around the office and you see every single employee has a a computer and other technologies and a telephone beside them, you'd kind of wonder, why can't I finance that, I don't know, $100,000 worth of equipment just as easily as I finance that $10,000 A3 printer that sits there. So this group understands that, and that is you know again if you, if you go back to the car analogy, car dealerships don't make money by selling new cars they make money on financing. Right? everybody makes money yeah. on financing so so that is something that I think that they have. The other thing that is of tremendous value is the longstanding business relationships with finance folks in their community and I think that the these organizations copier companies or print channel partners, whatever we want to label them these days, they've been doing business for 30 or 40 years. There's no question of trust. If they weren't trusted, they wouldn't be doing anything there at that customer. So so to me, I almost see it as simple as a light switch. When's the light switch gonna go on to these folks to say, why don't I turn my attention to some of the other things that I can sell these customers, instead of orienting my entire organization to, forgetting about existing customers and constantly trying to bring new customers into the fold.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there is a limit to the number of new customers, right? Um, when I formed the Seat-Based Billing Council and we started doing stuff uh, you know, around seat-based billing and other flat rate models, one of the things that I actually had to do was get the dealers to self-select into three different groups uh, because there were so much uh, differences of opinions on the, the future of the space, right? So the one group was Uh, purist MPS providers. There's lots of pages out there in the world. We're only managing 30%. Let's go get the other 70% and stop being distracted by these other things. The second camp of dealers uh, were the ones that said, well, prints our expertise and our heritage. Uh, Let's just augment that. So let's do something that's kind of related like document management. And then the third group was, you know, the ones that said, no, we got to do Converged Services and, you know, start looking at other things, right? So I, I just wonder what that mix. Uh, looks like today because those those three camps have very different directions, right? Greg, you mentioned this earlier, but the convergence that's happening in the space for those that are selling and, and being bought into, uh, you know, some of what we call the mega dealer structure, right? For these independents, the ones that maybe fall into the, you know, the second and third camp, which is still trying to innovate their business in some way, you know, Norm, is there a way they can do that with with print as well? I mean, if they're so married to, you know, to holding on to that baby, are there other things they can do with print to you know kind of evolve their business model or or get some more money in their market
1: sure so that's kind of where i see a tremendous opportunity is in the transactional space and i think one of the things that that is true of printing more so than any other technology in in the office is that printing has a consumable portion to it 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 has something that let's say i need Let's say I have a hundred employees and therefore I've got maybe 20 or 30 printers. I'm reasonably sure that at least once a week, I will need to replenish the toner in one of those devices. Now, this is where things, in, in my opinion, where the opportunity is. So, so what do you want to do with that? Manage print would have you tell the customer, don't ever worry about it. I'm going to send a, a toner cartridge to you. You're never going to need to worry about it. And that was invented or conceived of in a world before Amazon and the internet. I would look today and say, here's the simple paradigm shift. People should get pointed to a website to go and execute that transaction. Just like when they wanted to buy a book, they need to go to a website and buy that as opposed to get in their car and drive to a store. Print can continuously drive transactional business and visits, virtual visits to your business, your website. Once people understand that you're now a trusted source to acquire products online, um, even managed products, I would say in MPS, why do we have to be the ones to execute the order? Why can't the customer come and say, I need a toner, it's for this device, go ahead and do that. So my feeling is that that you can, you can actually leverage print to drive traffic to then sell other products online, other transactions as well, and it is, like dominoes if you only sell somebody one category one product you're in that lane but once you get to that second and third lane again continuing on thinking about amazon how many different lanes am i in when it comes to amazon myself if i count them up probably 12 to 15 different product categories that i buy from them now so i think that is the huge opportunity i think once customers once this channel embraces that transactional business is not a four-letter word, that it's actually a good mm-hmm. and they use it, then then everything opens up. But to me, once I, I want them to understand the value of transactional and the value of their website, because once they do, then that's my business proposition. I can't help, I, I don't think they can think anything other than they need to have an e-commerce transactional website.
0: Yeah, I want to add to that. Right. When I look at uh, services like uh, Amazon or, you know, anywhere I shop now, if it's uh, this is only going to, you know, be understood by Canadians, but Canadian Tire, for example, right? The number of times I've actually ordered things online, is that our definition of a managed service might be a little too narrow. We look at it as we're going to manage the service for you, you're going to be under a contract, and we're going to, you know, bill you either by a page or you know, by a seat or whatever. But maybe uh, a managed service can actually extend to the experience and the streamlining of logistics right because that is fully managed even though it feels to me like a transactional experience it is so streamlined um it is so easy that i continue to you know to purchase from those places because of that experience right so do we have to broaden our our definition of a managed service
1: well one of the things that that's quite obvious is remember when mps came out what was the pain that it solved right i mean sure it wrapped it all into a a cost per page. But the pain that managed service provided or managed services or managed print services helped was it was hard to pick a toner and get it delivered to your door, right? Or delivered to your office or a certain location. Printers broke down and they needed services. Uh, so now I'd say that's not hard anymore. Number nope. one, you probably shouldn't be repairing printers uh, the way you think that you should be repairing them or keeping them as long as you do. The second issue is, everybody is so used to going online, searching for a product and clicking order. And that's so fundamental to our business, you know, to our, just our deep, that's wired into our DNA now. I don't think managed print services, you know, solves a really big problem. And I think, you know, when you, one of the questions that you asked us is cost per page past its prime. I, I think so, because mm-hmm. I don't think it <laughs> solves as big a problem. The, the, the problem is as presented existed in 1995, it doesn't exist in 2019.
0: I would agree and I, right. and I think that it's actually become a bit of a hindrance, right? Because one of the biggest nightmares for any dealer when you talk to them is meter management, right? Having to go back to a customer if uh, for some reason their firm were updating a device actually screwed up a meter and you know the bill was a lot less and you have to go back to them three months later because you caught it and you have to ask them for more money, et cetera, right? So I think that when you look at the experience of what did managed print really deliver, uh, certainly not enough, and uh, Greg, I'm sure you have some things to say on that point. Um, but certainly, if those if those pages are out there and the pure play, you know, players want to go after them, um, and we can make that experience easy for people to still be self service, then, you know, isn't that kind of the way the world you know works right now, right? And and Greg, yeah. I know you've spoken you've spoken on that many times in many of your blogs and other things I've seen you on. Where did we miss the mark on managing print?
3: Well, I'll tell you what, you know, the I never liked the word print in MPS because that that pigeonholed us and that's exactly what happened. If you remember, there were three stages of management services. The first stage was uh, supplies and cost control and all that. And then you were supposed to evolve into helping the customer along the paper to digital transformation. All right, but that <clears throat> that involves a convergence at a time when most dealers didn't even have that on their, their, their radar. So what happened to MPS is it boiled down to, as we all know, cost per copy or cost per print for printers. That's all it was. And that was the starting point. That wasn't supposed to be the end all. And that's where it ended, though. So MPS was and could have been a pivot point for advanced dealers or maybe every, everyone who got involved with MPS to pivot over into managed IT. I always saw that. I mean, you're talking to computer guys who are connecting printers to end users all over the organization. You are talking to the IT department. You're moving off of copiers and talking to purchasing. You're now talking to IT. And even if you were, went with MPS you know, full, full board, you're talking to C-levels because you're talking cost containment and you're talking about optimization of workflow. And now that okay. talk talking about workflow. You're talking about document management. Could have, we could have opened up all those doors the first day we did an assessment, but we didn't. We, we, we commoditized even doing assessments to 12 questions on a spreadsheet, and that was it. You know, Don't look left. Don't look right. Just look at the toner. Look at you know, the machines. Don't ask any other questions. You know, don't, don't investigate how paper is being moved through the organization and or how information is being moved. No, just look for the toner cartridges and get the lowest price. That was it. So we shot ourselves in the foot, that, that was, but that's part of our DNA, right? So this next evolution, we have to move beyond the DNA, which is tough, but what's happening is our opportunity is shrinking. Our, our pool of opportunity is shrinking, and now we've got to start looking. And if you're not looking, you know, we've got people tripling down on print, and they're the big guys, but they, they have to stay. They, they really have no choice. They've really got to evolve. And then, it, or keep going down that path and see who, who's who's left standing. Again, I go back to the the, the smaller guys, you know, the five to twenty-five million dollar guys that the more nimble, and looking at converged offerings, right? And, and Norm's absolutely right. It, it sets your customers up to do those transactions. Don't don't leave those. It isn't a four-letter word, um, but use that as a pivot point. All right. And, and, you know, that's, I've been talking to dealers in that size for the last hundred days. They're all hungry for something. A lot of them don't know what they're hungry for, but they're hungry for something, something to change. And believe it or not, they're looking at something in the next five to 10 years. They're not selling toner or they're not selling printers. They're doing something else, but with technology, you know, and and the same quote unquote business model that they're using today, they're just going to do, do it with other items, other services. So the hunger's out there. They're bumping along in the dark, uh, trying to figure it out. I, th- I think naturally it's just going to naturally occur. I think that we'll, we'll see a, you know, a trimming down of the dealer channel. We'll see more and more people doing e-commerce and the folks that will be left won't, you know, you won't have 12 technicians on staff anymore. You may have eight very knowledgeable selling professionals that can sell converged services, totally different talk track. But, um, and I think the evolution is going to be quick. Yeah, I think you're I right.
0: I think you're right and and uh that's one of the reasons that I came to Tiger Paw, you know, before I actually worked here. Uh, James and I were, were partners.
2: The, the thing that got us to start paying attention was some off equipment dealers that were moving into managed services and really struggling because they didn't have the tool set with the entrenched applications. And they, you know, they'd try to bolt on other service applications and were really looking for some cohesive thing to run their entire business. And the biggest thing we were missing at the time was the, the DCA integration for billing, which we built. But that's what got us looking, you know, we'd, we'd hear from these guys, and they were decent sized companies with good revenue streams and good healthy customer bases, but it was outside of our normal area. And as we started to peel back the layers and look at them, it's like, well, there's something going on here. And so that, that was kind of what prompted us. It was really them coming to us saying, We need a solution over here. We're trying to build this converged organization um, and and we're struggling with, with doing so. That that's what got our attention. And the more we've looked at this, it was like there's a tremendous opportunity. We think from a Tiger Pot perspective, we think there's a Monopolistic, uh, you know, entity that controls most of the software in the space. People don't seem to be overly excited about it. They don't seem to be getting some of the innovation. We're bringing innovation from the managed services spaces, as you said. It's it's changes every day. You know, we're uh, we're excited to bring that dy- dynamism. I think that's the wrong word. Uh, you know, the whole uh, a lot of changes, a lot of fast um, forward thinking changes that we have in the managed services space over into this office equipment dealer space.
0: Yeah, I think so, and. You know, one of the reasons I raised that is because, you know, the, the dealers that are looking in that direction, remember I, you know, kind of split them into three camps earlier when we were doing seat-based billing, is that there is a, a large number of dealers which are looking for that innovation, and I think we've all got to be in a position to be able to, you know, to ready to help them, right? So It's let, coming, let, and I would
2: also add the thing we haven't talked about at all is traditionally those managed service providers have ignored print they just have not wanted anything to do with it you know I don't know if it's a snobbish attitude I think part of it is it's a big unknown it's a physical device that requires human intervention at times Um, it oftentimes requires certification it requires inventory Mm -hmm. but now there are partners coming out there and putting white label managed print in and so when you think about it the office equipment dealer and the managed service provider the IT service provider today they're sharing a customer and somebody, at some point in time, is going to win in that argument, whether it's the managed service provider saying, "Hey, you know, spend 25 bucks more per seat, and we'll take care of all that print for you." Or it's going to be the, manage, uh, the office equipment dealer who comes in and says, "You know what? You've trusted us for a long time with your business. We have a whole new set of services. Let us take a look at what you're doing. But I think somebody's going to win, and that, that IT. VAR managed service provider that has stayed out of this space and is not viewed as a threat. I think there's a critical mass coming at some point in time these guys are always adapting new business models they are always looking forward they are innovating and at some point in time they're gonna realize they can make money on the print side I really believe that's coming
0: I really do and I think you know Norm you mentioned it earlier right that that printers are becoming serviceless devices right and Mm -hmm. once that becomes the case you know when you don't actually have to physically go and fix it I think it's a matter of time I just recently read an article uh, where HP was talking about kind of their approach to you know manage print in 2019 and beyond and they are focusing entirely now on the CIO uh, and the IT departments because they are responsible for everything that's connected in those environments.
1: Yes, um, just, just on, on that note and I, I know I've been kind of harsh in saying well maybe CPP or, or seat-based billing or device-based billing ultimately their service models slash uh, billing models in the case of cost per page I think that still at the very large high end, I was talking with somebody the other day that, that manages print fleets on behalf of, of let's say large OEMs that have direct business. And we're talking about organizations that have 30 or 40,000 employees and tens of thousands of printers. There absolutely is a value to just look at that lane, just look at print and be really good at it and the company probably, well they could manage it themselves, it's really not worth it for them because it is just, it could be a place where they could lose a lot of money if they do it poorly. Uh, to echo some of the things that James uh, had said, and also Greg, when you talk about assessments, I always think it is kind of funny when you let a, a printer only channel partner come in and say why don't you do an assessment and it's like well, let me look at the last page imagine you've recommended some new equipment for me right like it's it, you know looking <laughs> like, walks into the hen house it's it's of course that's what the recommendation is whereas an it var i've always thought connect can ask the question can you tell me some stuff that you print because there may be a better workflow that we could adapt for you uh, or or implement that you know eliminates this or reduces it greatly yep. So, so I think that they have a, a you know a, a much better opportunity. And then again on the convergent side, I would say you know, the, the flip side of devices being serviceless and being less expensive and the ability to buy those supplies online transactionally, doesn't that open up IT Vars to sell print? All the reasons that they couldn't in the past were well this stuff's complicated you got to fix it you got to like give them toner you got you know you don't have to do that anymore so so it's the, the the print space is kind of coming into more of the model perhaps that it has and the value proposition of all the things that a lot of print only dealers solved in the past is is really less and less relevant today absolutely yeah, and certain absolutely
0: certain providers have already started offering you know essentially even orderless uh toner right and i know that uh, hp has uh you know started practicing on the consumer side and it's only a matter of time before i think that happens also you know in this space right so i've heard some really cool mm-hmm. things i think the one thing i've really gotten out of this conversation so far today is that when we look at innovation maybe the first thing they need to really look at other than you know technology or other or bits of offerings is their their business model right That there is a ton of room with transactional business if they're willing to flex their business model to go after it. That converge offerings are uh, definitely something that has to be done, that there are going to be winners and losers. And that at the end of the day, yes, even for managed print, we have to look at, you know, beyond the billing, you know, actually manage something, right? Um, So just in respect for our listeners' time, I do want to, you know, thank everyone for, you know, their contributions today. And at Mm -hmm. this final stage of uh, this episode, if I could ask you... Each for just one piece of advice that you would, you know, leave our, our listeners with.
1: Sure, I'd I'd make it a, a question. Something that, that has not been obvious to me is why are there so many companies out there that are rolling up technology or rolling up companies uh, and and uh, you know trying to build, let's say, a bigger entity, a national entity. Obviously, there's I'm not understanding necessarily why they do it but there is a good reason to do it. And if you're a reseller out there, I think you quickly understand what the, tech, you know, what the mechanism is for how much they value you, you at. You know, is it a, a multiple of your EBITDA? Is it a multiple of your revenue? What are they after? Uh, the bottom line is that there is tremendous value in your company today and whether or not you choose to, to take that and sell it to a larger organization or understand how you can grow your business because that's why they're acquiring you. Uh, then, then you, it probably behooves you to consider that a little bit more and and think about how you can increase the value of your business in the future.
3: I, I think. Well, I would aim my uh, my advice to the guys who want to stay quote in the business and and you know I'm sure this is going to be redundant and been heard before, but we. You've got to keep an open mind and know that you're going to change significantly the way you do business, whether or not you actually change all the way down to the GL, but you're going to change the way you present your services and your offerings to a client or a pr- prospective client. And my my biggest advice would be just be open-minded to that kind of change. And even even a little skeptical of advice that comes from, quote, the established folks, the, the folks who know everything, quote unquote, nobody knows. All right. So <clears throat> rely on that that instinct that you had when you first got in the business and keep your eyes open and don't be afraid of a big change. Actually em- embrace it if you're going to stay alive and, and, and survive and then thrive.
2: Yeah, I think it might be a similar note. You know, we've been doing this for 36 years. Um, the, the people listening to this podcast have been around for 20 plus years. We'll get it. If you're younger, it's, it's applicable. But I often get asked, you know, and I'm a member of entrepreneur's organization. I'm a big fan of peer groups. That would be one thing I'd suggest. It's always good to have peers to talk to and bounce ideas off of and learn from. And one of the things that I always hear is, wow, 36 years, how have you managed to do that? Well, you know what? It's been hard. It's, it's been constant evolution. Um, that whole idea, I don't remember if it was Norm or Greg said that what is your strength today becomes your weakness tomorrow. We've seen that happen over and over. And, you know, I, I don't want to go into details on in this call, but, man, that resonates with me. The way we've survived is we've adapted. The fact that we're in this space today, you know, it's, we've spent two and a half, almost three years building integration code to be here. This wasn't like, hey, we're just going to, you know, change up our literature and go sell to the office equipment dealers. It was, no, we need to make a concerted effort because we believe we have value to bring something real and tangible and unique an awful lot of work and preparation and hiring you and everything that goes in it so my my point is I get that change is scary and it's hard uh, but I think there's a crossroads here in this space and you know just like the people that sold the phone systems you know the ones that were willing to put in the work and make that change and for many of them that may have been the third or fourth massive change in their business they prospered from it so you know not being afraid of that change knowing it's hard uh, but also knowing that it's necessary
0: and if I had one piece of advice I would give to the listeners, is continue to listen to podcasts like Tiger Paw Radio. Make sure you're reading some of the resources <laughs> that. <laughs> little self plug there. That's like,
2: a good one. Can I have that one too? Can I use that one? <laughs> a little bit.
0: Uh, but I was also going to say don't just listen to the voices on this, this podcast. They're writing a tremendous amount of content. Uh, Norm, Greg, I follow uh, both of your blogs uh, religiously, as and do I you know, to surround yourself with people that are, that are thinking about these and be open to the conversation. So that concludes another episode of Tiger Paw Radio. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And uh, Greg and Norm, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, as our guest today. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.